0: Hi, you're listening to the Professional Speaks podcast with me, Craig McKellar, your host. As an ex-Big Four Auditor for six years, I now run a specialist recruitment consultancy called McKellar Consulting. Throughout this podcast, I speak to senior leaders from the professional services community past, present and future. These leaders work in accounting and finance, audit, tax, corporate finance, consulting, legal and investments. In the comfort of their own office, I will be posing questions to our guests to gain insights from them across a variety of topics, including balancing work and life, mental health and mindset, risk-taking, and effective leadership. These insights will help us learn, be inspired, grow, and ultimately succeed in what we want to achieve in our careers. Here's what's coming up on today's episode.
1: I do think the kind of biggest influences to how I've got here and how I'm able to do my role successfully is the people that I have had, be it as line managers, leaders, Mm -hmm. um, mentors, because they have been the ones that have challenged my thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm quite a strong-minded or stubborn (laughs) individual. And sometimes I need to get, get that push and that challenge to say, well, actually, why are you thinking that?
0: Today, I am joined by Karen McBride, who discusses her career, which led to becoming an audit director in practice before moving on to a head of finance role. She also discusses her experiences working on international succumbents to New York and New Zealand, and talks about her time as a financial controller before moving back into audit. Topics covered include developing soft skills, taking risks, and mentorship. So Karen, thank you very much for uh, taking part in this new podcast series. How are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to, to be here.
0: No, of course. Um, I know we've known each other for, for a few years, but um, I thought you'd be a really interesting guest because you've had a lot of different experiences in your career from working in professional services to working in an industry and even working overseas. So um, I was thinking about you know, asking you to go through your career, but, um you know, we haven't got too long in this <laughs> podcast. So, but I did think I would summarise um just just for the listeners and, and viewers as well. So you started off your career as a trainee accountant working in audit, where you spent nine years in total working for three practice firms, all in audit, progressing up to audit manager. And this nine-year period included a six-month secondment working in New York and a seven-month experience working in Christchurch, New Zealand. Once you had been an audit manager in Glasgow for almost two years at a large independent firm, you moved into industry to be a financial controller for a salmon farming business. But after a year, you returned to practice as an audit manager, where you progressed up to senior manager in a role that was then split between external audit and operations, making it to director before moving to Social Investment Scotland, where you are now as head of finance and operations. Did I get all that right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, I mean, firstly, can you tell listeners and viewers, you know, so what do you do in your current role then?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently Head of Finance and Operations at Social Investment Scotland. So Social Investment Scotland is a third sector social enterprise whose mission is really to connect capital with the communities. So we do that through debt lending to social Mm -hmm. enterprises and also through one of our subsidiaries, ventures that... um, provides equity investment to mission-led profit-making organisations. So very much purpose is at the, the heart of Social Investment Scotland. Mm-hmm. My role as Head of Finance and Operations is very much about working with the CEO really to ensure the long-term sustainability of um, Social Investment Scotland because without the long-term sustainability, we can't continue yeah. to make impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's really a bit about CIS and, and my role.
0: Great. No, thanks for that. And kind of, I guess, going forward, I think, Given the different experiences you've you've had, I was thinking maybe it's good to start off with talking about kind of risk-taking um, and, you know, your appetite to, to risk as well. Um, would you agree that you are a risk-taker?
1: So I've given this um, <laughs> a lot of thought because my natural gut reaction, I would say that I was risk-averse, okay. which is probably contrary when you haven't listened to you just... Um, rhyme off Mm -hmm. all the different career moves that (laughs) I've made, Uh Um, when I was actually thinking about it more, I am willing to take risk Mm -hmm. if it's the outcome that I want to achieve, and that where the risk of not doing it is greater. So I guess it's calculated risk. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of going and working abroad, it was very much actually, I knew that's what I wanted to do. so. So I just done it. I didn't give any any yeah. thought. I didn't give the downsides yeah. any thought because yeah. doing that was going to achieve what what I wanted.
0: Okay. So something that you yeah, you want, you you think it's a is a risk worth taking.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I guess what I was thinking about was um, how my current boss would probably view me, because I think okay. he <laughs> would potentially say that I was risk averse. Right. Okay. Um, but again, I'm and I think that comes from, in business, really wanting to under, understand why we're making a decision, getting the full information and then making an informed decision. So I'm about ma- taking it informed and, and calculated risk, I think.
0: Okay, no, that's, really, yeah. that's really helpful because I think some people struggle to know, you know, uh, should I do this or not? But you're, you're saying maybe your advice is, well, you need to know in yourself if it's something you really want to do and, and therefore it's got to be worth doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think if you know what it is that you're trying to achieve, then you're able to say, "Well, actually, making this move or making this decision will then help me um, help me achieve that." Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, sometimes there are downsides, but actually, well, is the downside worth it? So, for example, moving abroad yeah um, downsides moving away from your family, your friends, kind of starting afresh, trying to build that mm. that network. But actually, that experience that you get from doing that, for mm-hmm. me, always outweighed that that risk. And if it really went horribly wrong, you, you can come home, and and that is what yeah. what I did.
0: I was going to ask a bit more on you know your overseas um, experiences. I think you know when I used to work in practice and worked in audit, um, I, I had some experiences working abroad, but I never it wasn't in um, succourments. And the perception back then was if you go on as a secondment overseas, that's a good way to accelerate your career because you'll learn soft skills, you know, so mm-hmm. different languages or different cultures. Um, you don't know anyone there, so you've got to build in a new network and things like that. Um, and that was quite encouraged by maybe partners in, in the firm. Um, would you say that you know, those were skills that you learned, in those experiences. With, you know, with, was it soft skills that you you learned?
1: Yeah, I think I think it was obviously sort of audit as as audit, yeah. Regardless of of country, maybe got different. Um, it's maybe IFRS compared to UK gap, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely the the soft skills and that ability to to adapt and build a new relationship because you are particularly, I guess. Coming from the west coast of Scotland, where yeah. you've got quite a strong accent, yeah. Um, so it's trying to go to those places and well, how are you understood? How are you communicating to get mm. your your point um, your point across? I remember being in a client's office in New York, and I'm just, what are you what are you trying to say to me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and having to just um, sort of yourself. yeah, adapt. And so I'm quite a fast speaker, mm. so slow down mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and it's just how you handle different everyone's different so actually how you and then then handle that and mm-hmm. and manage it um, so definitely the soft skills relationship building and i think just the experience of something is something new i think that only i think that only adds to your your character yeah
0: yeah of course if there's people that you know didn't want to go abroad or um but they wanted to build on their soft skills you know do you think there's something maybe as a substitute to, to going overseas you know if, if you know how can someone who's working in a maybe a city that they grew up in and they've got a network and, and, and things how can they work on maybe some soft skills that you would learn from going on these overseas succumbents
1: yeah I mean that's a, a really good question I think it's about how you build up your network and just your your relationships be it in an office that you're currently working on or mm-hmm. if you're going and you're moving jobs yeah. actually how do you build that relationship and how do you listen to people and learn from their experiences because mm-hmm. I guess going abroad gave me that different experience and gave me that richer view if, mm-hmm. you, if you like mm-hmm. but actually you can get quite a lot of that by actually listening to different people and listening to different people's point of view, It kind of, that, that broadens your, your mind as well
0: so, kind of getting out of your comfort zone, maybe even even locally networking.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, I don't. Know, we might come on to talk about this later, but think about mentors and things mm-hmm. like that. That is all. Um, that is all different yeah. viewpoints yeah. that you can. You just learn from that. It's just yeah. a different way of thinking.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and it's not always easy finding out that you're not right. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it all helps.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I was also thinking as well, you know, you've, you've taken those experiences. They weren't mis- Maybe they weren't seen as risks to yourself. Um, so let's say they're experiences, but you need to have, I guess, something within you, you know, like a drive or ambition to, to go and do those things. You know, for you, you know, where does that kind of drive and ambition, I guess, or, 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 yeah, drive, let's say to come from. Yeah. You know, from early on in your career or before that even.
1: Yeah, so I've actually, so I've thought a lot about, uh, like over the past six months, actually, am I ambitious? Mm. Um, because again, I think you look at my CV and you would say that I'm quite an ambitious person. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I am naturally ambitious. Um, I don't have this desire to, to say BCU, I don't have, okay, I have this next line that I need to get to. But what I do always want to do is I want to make sure that I add value mm. to an organisation. Um and and always do my best. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from sort of childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mum is a a single parent and very much had to work. So she's not a sort of professional Mm -hmm. sort of career woman, but um, always had to work really hard in order to to provide. And it was always, I guess, drummed into us. And we always had that awareness Mm. through what she was doing that... Ensuring that you've got a job in order to do what you want to do, be it you want to, you know, buy a house, have yeah. a nice lifestyle, mm-hmm. you've got to make sure that you perform, mm-hmm. um, and the importance around about that to your to your life and the quality of the life that that you have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where this desire to always kind of add value, improve myself, um, really comes from
0: mm-hmm. because that
1: was. Like I, I seen that. So regardless of my mom not having a career, yeah, in um, her jobs, that's what what she was doing because that's how you, that's how you get what you so, what you want.
0: Yeah. So f- within you is the, I guess, desire to to add value. You know, you're saying, and that's what's that's kind of what, what keeps you going. I know you're saying you're maybe not ambitious. Do you see that as the same as being kind of competitive? You know, because do, does 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 any of that? You know. It might not be the primary reason, but does any of that give you a thrill, you know, yeah. that you succeed, that yeah. you progress?
1: Yeah, I definitely do think you get a thrill from being actually, I've achieved X, Y or Z, yeah. or you've reached a certain point. I remember mm. getting this um, role at Social Investment Scotland and thinking, God, like I'm the, the head of finance. Yeah. Um, well, like I wasn't necessarily expecting that in my
0: mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm.
1: Um but like I say, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not actually a competitive person. Mm-hmm. But I just want to add I want to add value. Like yeah. I'm not the person that's on a sports field that's you know elbowing the other players. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like actually, if you just want to, if you want if you want the ball, you have the ball. Yeah. <laughs> um. But in order to to be able to continue to add value and sort of work hard, mm-hmm. is what's important, and I think that's kind of got me where I am. I am today
0: yeah so that's so your childhood and um, having a single parent as a mum and has, has driven you to have this desire in, inside of you to to add value so many people you know when I talk about motivation I think you know initially we're all motivated by salary title etc etc you know there's always things mm-hmm. that are motivating us but then when we get that you know we can then maybe not be as motivated because we've we've got it. So I I feel that um, when people keep succeeding or keep going, they need motivated by things other mm-hmm. than things, if you if you like. Yeah. So that kind of inner motivation. Like, would you agree with with that? You know, you're doing it for you're not doing it for reward, or you know, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I would I would completely agree because I think if you're fortunate, you get to a certain point in your career and you think, well, actually, have I've achieved more than what I kind of ever set out to be, I've got a, a level of salary or whatever that you're comfortable with that can provide you with the lifestyle that you want or provide your, if you've got family, with the mm-hmm. family with the lifestyle that you want. But I think there always has to be something that keeps you going. if not, like for me coming in and doing the same job day in, day out for the rest of my life doesn't fill me with excitement. That would actually fill me with, with dread. Yeah. So it's actually what keeps you, what keeps me going is just that desire to always learn and develop. So I mm-hmm. think as long as the job is is challenging you and you get that opportunity to really develop your yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's that's invaluable.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people in professional services. You know, I mean, I, I speak to people every day, and you know, smart people and driven people and people that you know, not just in audit but other specialisms. Um, you know they don't want to stand still for too long. They want to be developed. They want to be pushed. And that's just because of like who they are, and and and, and they want that. Um, you know, extra experience to keep de- developing them. Um, would you say that your past experiences, like in your jobs, has shaped you into who you are for this role as head of finance, or you know, has it been has it been people? Mix or both? Like, would you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I definitely would say that it has shaped me. Um, I think audit and professional services, just kind of, as you said, naturally Mm. gives people that, um, well, audit gives you all that round, that kind of rounded view. You're going out seeing a lot of different organisations, you're thinking about control environments, all that sort of things, which boards naturally love because they want to make sure that the control environment's operating effectively. And I think professional services, there there tends to be a certain type of people, person even, Mm in professional services normally tend to be quite ambitious they do Mm -hmm. want to push themselves and I think that that then pushes you to be the best that you can be so I think that does shape part of you and has probably shaped part of me I do think the kind of biggest influences to how I've got here and how I'm able to do my role successfully is the people that I have had be it as line managers, leaders, mm-hmm. um mentors, because they have been the ones that have challenged my thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm quite a strong minded or stubborn <laughs> individual. Um, and sometimes I need to get get that push and that challenge to say, well actually why are you thinking that? Mm. Does that actually make sense? If you take a step outside your own world and think about it from someone else's perspective, how does that actually look, which is a challenge you need when you're actually leading a team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's definitely sort of my old um, boss and um, a current mentor have, have definitely done that to me. And they probably, their perspective and their value, I think sometimes could actually outweigh the mm-hmm. the experience that you, you get in, in doing.
0: And you're quite lucky to have that, you know, leadership because you're saying that's in your last role, so, you know, Maybe it wasn't in the rules before that and for and for and for people um, you know, listening to this, they might not feel, Oh, I've got I've not got someone, you know, a, a senior person that's talking to me um like that. So would you say that's I guess now going forward for your rest of your career, you know, you don't know what that's gonna look like, but would you always would that change how you think about where to to join or, you know, whether to stay? You know, basically what I'm saying is is it based more on um the people you're going to be reporting to in the senior leadership rather than a brand, a name type of thing that maybe a lot of us look for in a, an original employer because we think that's a good place to go and learn.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think the people that you're working with, so your peers, and then also the person that you report into in the, leader, in the leadership of that organisation is probably one of the key things that, that I look for mm-hmm. and will look for. Uh, going forward because if, if you don't have that mm-hmm. for me it's difficult to see actually how you then are able to deliver the value that you want to yeah. um, bring to the organisation and how you can really achieve that I maybe arrogantly do think that I can bring
0: mm-hmm. a lot of
1: value to an organisation so um, I almost feel that I, if you were working with a leadership team where you weren't able to do that, it's also not fair in the organisation because they're paying for someone who, mm-hmm. and not getting the most
0: out of it. So, you maybe say a bit about moving to SIS, you know, I, I know that maybe a lot of it was based on the role because it was so, so different, but did you feel that, you know, the recruitment process and, and that, you know, you got a good opportunity to meet who you'd be reporting to in enough time? Because I think some interview processes can be too short, some can be too long, sometimes you're not meeting the right people. You know, was that was that experience a, a good one?
1: And yeah. And you felt
0: reassured about where you were going?
1: Yeah, no, it definitely was. So I joined this sort of January 2022. So we were still kind of in the throes of COVID and mm-hmm. Omicron, I think it was the variant at the time, mm-hmm. was was out. So my process did start remotely. Okay. Um, and we'd done just a bit of a, a team's call and a sort of, you know, chemistry check, for yeah. want of a better word. And I knew um, Alistair, who's the the CEO there and who done that first chemistry check. I knew we, we kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and we then went through an in-person interview, which was important because I think in the yeah. remote world that we all now live in, we can kind of forget that importance of relationships mm-hmm. and actually just the chemistry you get from being face-to-face to someone as Absolutely. opposed to yeah. Teams and Zoom is all quite transactional. And... Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, done that face to face, and then had another interview with the chair of the board and um, also Alistair. At that point, as well. so I like sort of Great, met Alistair yeah, so. three times throughout it, um, and sort of got the sense that we could definitely work together. That I was going to be in a position where I could um, help influence, mm-hmm. you know, over the yeah. the, the full organisation and have um, have an input. I am mm-hmm. very opinionated, okay. <laughs> so uh, being able to Know that I was gonna, my voice was gonna be heard Mm -hmm. was was key.
0: Great, and and going back to your first move to industry, you know, many people in professional services again, not just audit, but they come to this kind of fork in the road where they consider industry should have moved, industry should I not? You moved to be financial controller, you know, sounds great, and you know, for for, from a salmon farm business, Um, can you tell us a bit about maybe? why you decided to make that move then?
1: Yeah, I I got to a point, so I had obviously been in audit my full career, had been abroad, really enjoyed that, moved back and went into um, audit coming Mm -hmm. back. Now that was, for me, that was kind of the right thing to do because Mm -hmm. moving back into audit from being abroad was an easier transition Mm -hmm. than kind of moving into industry at that point. Mm And then was with the firm for three and a half, not four years, had a great time, yeah. felt um, challenged, I was continuing to learn, and was reaching this point in my career where they were talking about senior manager. Mm-hmm. And I had that that sudden fear like oh this is my this is my career for the rest of my life. If I make that that move <laughs> just now, yeah. is that is that really what what mm-hmm. I want to do? Mm-hmm. When you're in professional services, everyone talks about industry. It's like the bright shining lights yeah. of, of industry that you feel that you're missing out on something if you don't mm. if you don't try it. So I just felt that that was the right time to try it before you kind of progress as senior manager and then do then with a certain salary. How does that work mm-hmm. to kind of move into
0: yeah
1: industry roles and things like that? So yeah, I decided that I, I would I would try it Keep to be it honest short, with yeah. you. And it was really all because. Um, you you always think there's this the grass is greener
0: yeah and, and so what was your experience from it you know
1: yeah so it? I was there for I think just about a year mm-hmm. um, my role primarily was focused around about sort of preparing management management accounts it was part of a large overseas group mm-hmm. so there wasn't that much um, I guess financial management etc going on in house it was very much sort of do the management accounts, it became quite a I guess a process driven mm-hmm. um, part of the role and I, d- I just didn't feel that I was learning or mm-hmm. that I was being being challenged, I missed that push yeah. um, of of audit and professional services, mm-hmm. I think you get accustomed to be driven by deadlines yeah. and yeah. a little bit of pressure and mm-hmm. I, I kind of discovered that, that I needed that mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I decided that actually that wasn't the, the right role uh, for me. You know,
0: some people stay in professional services, some people you know do like you've done and, and experience industry. And I think whatever you do, you're gonna learn if you're if you're I guess doing the right thing. Do you look at it as a kind of or I regret doing that, or you look at it as no, it's good to try it and and I, I knew more about myself because of
1: it. Or uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I yeah. like firmly live my life that you should not have any regrets yep. I feel that you know life we're here to live it and we're mm-hmm. here to enjoy it so try which is maybe why I'm now a calculated risk taker Yeah, um, try <clears> these <throat> things and actually yeah they don't work out but you, you learn something from it you know most experiences you do learn mm-hmm. something from even if you learn what you don't like Yeah, and then you've gained from that
0: yeah and you were just saying you know in audit professional services is that push to keep developing you know and and deadlines and things you know there's a bit of pressure to keep you going and and so you're not maybe just sitting comfortably or or whatever so thinking about kind of continuous professional development in your career but not CPD like having to go to a seminar or or watch a webinar how have you or how do you think you've developed yourself professionally has it been from these people pushing you and saying do this you should do that or you should do this um has it been moving jobs? Has it been progressing, you know, being promoted or, or something else? You know, how have you developed yourself professionally over the years?
1: Yeah, I'd say there's a couple of things that, that spring to mind, kind of out yeah. with the, you know, the going your kind of technical audit yeah. yeah. courses or, or whatever. Um, definitely having a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, just from that that different perspective. I think that probably has been the biggest influence in my professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds really, really cheesy, but listening to podcasts <laughs> so very much. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially ones related to financial services, <laughs> uh, professional services. Um, so, like the high performance podcasts and things like that are mm-hmm, all really. Mm-hmm. You get again, it's that d- different perspective. You learn how other people are dealing with certain mm. scenarios, yeah. and you think, "Oh, actually, that's happening." To me, maybe I could, can relate could, mm. could do this differently or, or how to kind of push that push that needle. Um, so I'd say those couple of things. The other thing um, that also springs to my mind is actually just getting involved with different things. So I sit on ICAST members board, I'm a non-exec, and actually just being part of the, of different organisations, again, hearing different perspectives, mm. understanding the wider challenges that yeah. go on, and... Um, is also is also key. It's that kind of just broader view. Yeah.
0: what point in your career do you think you started to be challenged to, to maybe broaden, you know, your experiences or 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 maybe you just thought it yourself, you because know? I think, you know, I, I used to work in audit as well. I think you can you can you know, the year can just fly by and, and you've you've done audits because it's such a demanding mm-hmm. job. Um, what point did you get you know, was it manager, senior manager, director where you you started to do other things to develop yourself
1: yeah i i would say it's probably once i got to senior manager okay to be honest with you because i think up until that point i was probably going through the cycle as Mm -hmm. you're saying i was probably churning out audits and at the time i think i was doing a good job Mm -hmm. and certainly i've never got any feedback that's just (laughs) just to be clear that I, i wasn't doing a good job but i look back now and say was i actually doing the best that i could have done because i I didn't yet have that wider perspective, mm-hmm. if if that makes sense. So when um, I got to senior manager, I got um, a new line manager, a new boss, um, who just thought of me a wee bit differently and was more challenging of me in okay. terms of his expectations, mm-hmm. um, and pushed me into thinking a different way and kind of starting to think more about the the bigger picture and actually mm-hmm. how to engage wider teams and things mm-hmm. like that all the softer skills that yeah. actually when you're going through you kind of get quite focused on I just need to get this audit done yeah, yeah. Um, as opposed to actually thinking about all the different parts of your role
0: What, what from that advice or that those kind of directions that you're pushed in would you advise people listening to this to, to maybe work on as soon as they can maybe in their career to be an effective leader when they get there
1: think about the impact that you have on people and also seeing their perspective so it's um, like I said I'm very you know can be very single minded quite stubborn mm-hmm. in terms of thinking this is the right way to go I don't know why we're not all going this <laughs> direction um, but actually quite often there's there's reasons nine times out of ten people aren't trying to block you yeah, just for the sheer hell of it there's actually a reason mm-hmm. as to why they're they're doing that. And if you take a bit of time to understand that, then you can still achieve what you want to achieve without okay. railroading it through.
0: And is understanding that possible blocker, um, which isn't a blocker, how do you understand that? Is it just talking to that person more, yeah. or asking questions?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's through conversation. I think, first of all, you need to build a relationship yeah, because yeah. um, if you don't have relationships there... To start with, mm-hmm. that you don't have that trust mm-hmm. that people are and people aren't bought into you. Mm-hmm. So having those relationships and then being able to have that that conversation, but not a defensive or an attack type of yeah. conversation, but actually, okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. Like, what are your concerns about this? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than getting frustrated that actually you feel that someone's putting up a blocker when mm-hmm. actually that's that's not what's happening. They actually have genuine concerns that. If you just talk and communicate, yeah. you can you can work it through.
0: Can you think about maybe times in the past before you were, you know, you had the slime managers helped you and all this, where you thought, "Oh, if I'd just known what I know now, that that situation would have be been much better." Or yeah, I think yeah.
1: about there's there's so many situations, and it's funny um, seeing sometimes I see people acting, and I, I, let's be clear, I'm not perfect. Do you yeah. know, I'm I'm like still human, and I still don't always handle situations. Mm as I would perfectly like to, um, but I see some some situations and I think, oh, I would have handled it like that, but that's, mm. and I know now my reaction to it, yeah. my kind of personal reaction, and I think, well, that's how other people were reacting when I was trying to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would have handled a number of situations <laughs> <laughs> differently, um, but then it's, I can feel quite fortunate actually I've been able to have that experience mm-hmm. and those cha- people challenging me and I know I keep on saying challenging different perspectives but it's just so invaluable and I think we can either as leaders or managers and also as sort of members of the team you can really underplay that because you think mm-hmm. oh that that's quite difficult people don't want people don't want that they don't want to yeah. listen to me they don't want to yeah. talk about it mm-hmm. but actually people nine times out I've people do yeah
0: um, so yeah and um, one thing that I, th- I feel that people maybe, you know, don't get help on from senior leaders is, you know, how to manage the balance between their work and their life. And, and you know, in some ways, rightly so, I mean, you know, we're all in charge of our own lives and things. Um, on this podcast series, I'm, you know, usually talk to people about working life balance because we know professional services is, is you know, it's, it's very enjoyable in lots of ways and challenges you, but it's also demanding in profession as well at times. So, I guess focusing on work and life balance, you know, maybe starting off with, you know, what is that to you? You know, when you l- look to define work and life balance, kind of, what do you think about?
1: Yeah. That? So I think um, flexibility mm-hmm. is what sort of work life balance is about. I think quite often we can get caught up in this idea that work life balance is like that, that it's perfectly equal. Yeah. But. In my mind, it not mm-hmm. so you might have time. So if you're working in professional services, you might be going through your audit busy se- season, yeah. and your work life balance is not is you you it's, it's not going to be there. <laughs> yeah, <then. laughs> um, <sighs> and, I, and I appreciate just now professional services there there is obviously challenges mm-hmm. in terms of resourcing and things like that. But there should be a point where during your your quiet season, you're then able to obtain more of that. That balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I think, in, um, when I worked in New York, do you know, their busy season was very much sort of December to to April. So you worked really hard during that time, yeah. but then you were able to get that flexibility after mm-hmm. after that point in time. I Think if you work in industry, you're, you know, you've got your quarter end, your month ends, which are really intense periods. Yeah. But in your middle, it's um quieter. So you might finish at three o'clock rather than. Mm-hmm five or, mm-hmm. or whatever to do what you need to do and for me as long as I can do my job yeah um you know add the value and perform but also have the time to go to the gym is important to me yeah. do my non-exec roles f- spend time with family and friends mm-hmm. as long as I can make that happen so it might be that um so I was actually doing some work from a non-exec role on Friday afternoon so I kind of finished work early Mm -hmm. but then i started you know during the weeks at at seven i was like i actually need to to finish this stuff this is important so it's having that flexibility in order so that you can you Mm -hmm. can fit in what you you want to fit in
0: yeah having that perspective isn't it i think i think if you are you know yes there's going to be really busy times in your job whether you're in industry or in, in professional services but you know you, you can't let it kind of consume your life as such you know like you're saying you know see your family see your friends get to the gym you'll know, do exercise you have got time for those things and if you I guess your employers want you to to do something other than work they they know it's a busy time but do something other than work because that's going to help you perform well and keep you in the right kind of state mentally as well
1: yeah exactly I always have this it's never like a rule that I've Kind of said out loud, but in my mind, I always thought I am um, I cannot work past nine o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> Even that was like studying or anything, because it was like you get to point that actually you are just you're not productive anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to be in that cycle and lose and lose that perspective. But actually taking that step away and doing something else, you actually end up gaining more in the in the long mm-hmm. in the long term. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it's easy for me to, to sit here and say, but. That's what kind of works for me and I think it's just knowing you're like kind of non negotiables. Yeah. Like actually it's non negotiable for me that I go to the gym and actually I'm probably a better person for yeah. going to the gym.
0: Is that something you've done from early on? You know, or, uh, or has it been a I won't work weekends or, or evenings or past nine o'clock maybe type Yeah,
1: thing? so the kind of nine o'clock thing has always been quite um, yeah. quite firm in my mind because I'm an early riser as opposed to a night owl. Um I would say I've definitely got better with almost these are my non-negotiables um as I have got more advanced in my career mm-hmm. and it, it is maybe it, it may be easier to do that Yeah. but I would definitely encourage people to think about actually these are the the three things that I know I have to have to do and sometimes actually the work thing is the biggest priority because you yeah. do it, you've got an audit to sign off or mm-hmm. you've got an investor presentation and that's
0: just needs that's fine
1: and that just has to be a priority that Mm -hmm. but it means the next week once that audit is signed off or once that investor presentation is done can say no actually this is really important to me and this is what i need to Mm -hmm. i need to do
0: yeah and just before that as well you were talking about you know senior people that have helped you in your career and maybe they were kind of mentors would there be anything you would kind of copy from them you know, and, and if you were to be a mentor, or maybe you are a mentor, or
1: yeah. So I, I don't know if I class myself officially as a mentor, <laughs> but there's a couple of people that I used to work with that definitely try and, Great. you know, help and yeah. and and shape them. There's loads of things from my mentor that I do do copy. I actually mm-hmm. challenge myself sometimes. I think, what would he say to me? That's in good, this yeah. situation yeah. Um, and a lot of the, my biggest learning is there's a lot of things that you are in control of mm-hmm. you can quite easily say oh, I can't do this because of ex-wife he's been unreasonable mm. um, or whatever it might yeah. be but actually it's like well okay what can I do mm-hmm. to move this forward mm-hmm. and as long as I'm comfortable that I'm doing everything that I can be then that you can be okay yeah. with the situation yeah. Do you
0: do you think having an effective mentor requires you to have somebody that's quite like different in personality, maybe maybe character? Well, personality or someone that's like you.
1: I th- think so. There's there's some ways that I would say that my mentor and I are quite similar, mm-hmm. but he's got a, obviously a lot more experience and probably approaches things in that. A lot more reasonable way yeah. than me so i think there has to be some differences in order to complement um what it is that you're trying to achieve because if you're the same mm-hmm. there's the risk that you might be saying oh yeah no that's fine yeah yeah why was he behaving like that yeah you should yeah. sort it out <laughs> um when that's not that's not necessarily effective mm-hmm.
0: um no that's 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 really helpful i think a lot of people do think about how to develop how to learn from senior people um And I think a lot of what you said is, you know, get out your comfort zone, network, even just ask people, put your hand up, you know, that you want to learn about whatever else. And and also for senior people, maybe listening to this who, who aren't mentors, you know, I think what you're talking about would encourage them to think about those that report to them and think, could I... Challenge them, push them in a different way, and that's maybe a relationship we'll have for for a while.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so invaluable because I just think if if you're a mentor, like what better way to be able to reflect on your career and say that you've had a significant positive impact on someone else's
0: absolutely career. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so I think all senior leaders should be really thinking about that because they're, they're all working with people. They're all mm-hmm. um, they're all wanting to develop a team, and actually, if you're challenging them, then yeah.
0: And you'll keep them, exactly. probably. You know, more exactly. better efficient exactly. ratios if people are feeling like they're being challenged and developing where they are.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's definitely a a key thing. Like I say, I just think what is, what can, what will you lose from that? Yeah. I, th- I think there's only plus side. Yeah, in my yeah, mind, no, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, and you did touch on the non-exec roles, and I don't think I actually mentioned that in the at the beginning in the summary of, of, of your, your career. So can you tell us a bit more about that? You know, so what what are you a non-exec for and, and tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so I'm a non-exec at the Ayrshire Hospice, which is obviously a, a hospice in, in Ayrshire. So I kind of got involved with that just at the start of this year, actually. So I was always keen in a non-exec role because I think, yeah, it's your opportunity um, to give back. Quite often they're looking for finance, um, people to come involved so you can get to use your skills for, mm-hmm. I guess, greater good. And then again, it's it's also a great experience and a great learning experience because you're very much, you're operating with people from totally different sectors sometimes, yeah. um, totally different skill sets, and also in terms of thinking about governance and mm-hmm, challenging mm-hmm. and it gets you outside. So I obviously work in a kind of very operational mm-hmm. role, for me, it really it forces me to think about more that bigger picture and that oversight role, mm-hmm. which again helps with my day job because I'm sort of thinking, well, if I was going sitting on the board of the hospice, yeah, this is what I'd be asking if I was presenting the the information that I'm about to present mm-hmm. to um, the board at SIS. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's usually invaluable. I'd done a few kind of smaller charities um, as a non exec direct, but was really looking for um, a more kind of a, a bigger, more established charity, and the Ayrshire Hospital does mm-hmm. phenomenal work. Um, yeah. So, it's well,
0: did you kind of seek out um, a position with a charity? You know, kind of what would your and, and a second question here. You know, what would your advice be to people looking for the first non-exec role?
1: Yeah. So I did um, kind of early on in my career seek out some non-exec roles for, for smaller charities. And that was really just using sort of volunteer mm-hmm. websites because quite, of, quite often they are um, advertised on okay, there. Okay, good tip. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I probably was getting to a stage where I felt that I probably wasn't the right person, the right skill set for them because they were looking for kind of more operational um, people. Okay. Um, whereas I wanted to more really be on that That's Step back view, and the the hospice has always been obviously in from, from Ayrshire, mm-hmm. um so it's always been quite a big charity locally. And had seen that they they had been advertising for trustees maybe the year before, and I just moved into my role at Seth, felt that it wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I seen sort of at the start of the year that, and it was actually on LinkedIn. I have mm-hmm. seen um. They had shared an ad or someone had liked an ad and mm-hmm. things like that so you don't some, quite often like, you don't necessarily feel that it's it's powerful if you're not getting yeah. anything from it but actually yeah that was that was where i i seen it so yeah definitely worth it
0: and you, you're saying i guess you said before what you learned from it was the governance side in terms of maybe challenging people as well is that is that the most you've learned from it as is, is anything else you want to highlight yeah
1: so i think um so i'm obviously still quite quite new at it um, but I would say that the oversight and the governance perspective and again and I, keep, I keep going back to this but see mm. like the relationship piece because ultimately the only way people are going to move or things are going to move forward is if you have the relationships yeah. there yeah. Um, to build it and to help to help them so I'd say also that actually how, we, how am I then building effective relationships with a, mm-hmm. a new board and also another kind of exec team Aim, which is which is key, whereas before I would just have went in and said, oh, let's do X, Y, Z, yeah, yeah. and that's that's not effective.
0: So you think you'll look to do more non-exec roles as, uh, if time allows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think in the future it, it would be, yeah, it would be definitely something that I would like to uh, continue with. I think the challenge is obviously s- kind of still working full-time and, yeah. and things like that. It's how you balance mm-hmm. how you balance it all to still be able to retain all the things that I want to do to maintain that sort of work-life balance Mm -hmm. and I think there's some things that you have to say no to but definitely um, would be something that I'll be doing in the future
0: Great Well no it's been really interesting talking to you about your career you know so many different experiences that you've learned from that hopefully listeners and viewers will will take a lot of insight from Um, and I like to finish up um, these podcasts with a question which is just um, can you give us a personal uh, goal that you have over the next 12 months and that can be something in your kind of personal life or it's personal but in your professional life?
1: Um, good question. <laughs> so, do you know, see just to continue, I know keep saying that, see just to continue to learn. I always think if I get to the end of the year and I can look back and think, do you know, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve and I've learned something along the way. Mm-hmm then I can be pretty happy with it. I don't yeah. have this big overarching goal that oh, I want to get to see you and yeah. I want to do this. Um, I just think as long as I can continue to to learn, mm-hmm. I'd say that's important in my professional life. In my personal life, I just want to continue to have fun. To be yeah.
0: honest <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Go on holidays, to yep.
1: spend time with people that you love and just yeah. yeah, enjoy life.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much and thank you very much for coming on uh, the podcast today.
1: No, thank you. For, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Professional Speaks podcast. Remember, you can watch the episode recording on our YouTube channel, and if you can, please do subscribe and share with all of your friends. The more people who listen to this, the more guests we can have on to share so that you can learn, be inspired, grow, and ultimately succeed in what you want to achieve in your career. Please also contact me if you have any feedback on this episode. I'd love to hear from you.